Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're still in London. Yay! Actually, though, I think this is the first published show from London. I think is you're right. It? Yeah. Yeah. So, congratulations. You get to Liz. Yeah. <laughs> Liz is the first show that everybody's going to hear from London. Not necessarily um, the first one we recorded, though. Yes, but we are here in this uh, in the Queen Elizabeth II Center, mm-hmm. and Westminster Abbey is right, right there. there. Parliament right. is opening today. Parliament's opening today. It just That's means there's police there. everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's kind of surreal. And I think what is it next week? No, th- four weeks. Three weeks from now, we'll tell the story of what happened yesterday. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make you work for wait for it though. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait. Yeah. It's a doozy. It was, I yeah. mean, it's it was worth a, tuning back into here because I'm still processing what uh, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've got a really fun and uh, interesting story here for Better Know Framework. So roll the music. All right, man, what do you got? Uh, so on April 30th, uh, I published... Uh, an episode of my one of my other podcasts. Mm-hmm. This is called Security This Week. It's enterprise security through the lens of current events. So who got hacked this week and how does it apply to your life? That's basically what we do. And we goof around a bit. But this episode is called The Game That Takes Down Russia. Right. And it was the last story that we talked about. It's an article in Fast Company that we'll link to. A Lviv-based team of Ukrainian software engineers, this is so great, have developed an online game called Play for Ukraine that crowdsources and gamifies participation in dedicated denial-of-service attacks against selected Russian government and media websites. Is that so cool? That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, so they basically use a little bit of your bandwidth to, to do this DDoS attack. (laughs) (laughs) it's working that's the thing it's already working well it's when you know russia has been known as this cyber warrior right state Mm -hmm. for better or worse but nobody's really attacked them before Mm -hmm. turns out they're just as vulnerable as everybody else turns out they are yeah funny okay so anyway it's a great podcast if you haven't uh, listened to security this week you should you'll you'll laugh your butt off and you'll probably learn something too but i think it's more important for business decision makers and people in it Mm -hmm. who just want to come up to speed on some of the security topics that they may or may not know about awesome so that's what i got richard who's talking to us today grabbed a comment off of show 1762 which is the one we did back in october 2021 when we talked to Rickard Hansen about adding collaboration to your application, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I think WebRTC could do for you, right? Yeah. Bringing in those aspects here. And uh, Wojcik Amola uh, wrote this comment. He said, how hard would it be to add collaboration to an app? Mm-hmm. And I think he's asking this rhetorically because he goes on to say, I work for a major company that delivers telecommunication solutions all around the world. And there was a team of 10 to 20 developers building a C++ library with bindings for Windows using .NET, Mac OS, iOS, and Android. I've personally been a part of the team for uh, 5 to 15 building win- the Windows client. There were mm. also two other teams of similar size for the other platforms. And we've already had a lot of the infrastructure problems solved when we started. But after three years of development, it's only kind of okay-ish. Wow. And, you know, and I, and I appreciate this comment. How, Just, how old is this comment? Uh, six months. It's from 2021. Months, huh? But it's also speaking to, it, this is the classic bicycle shed problem, right? It's mm. just collaboration. How hard could it be? Right. Like, yeah. Actually, it's pretty hard. Yeah. You know what you should do? Use the libraries that are out there mm. that are tested. You know, Probably a good idea. Another way around. So, Wojcik, thank you so much for your comment. And a copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. If you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, I'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And uh, definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. It's, it's an open protocol, man. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent Twitter. No, please don't. Yeah. Elon, Elon please. Please. <laughs> No hardcore software engineering. <laughs> <laughs> Just send us a tweet. All right. And that brings us to our guest today. Uh, so Liz Moy is here and she is a developer evangelist for Twilio who enjoys collaborating on projects using code and creating environments where creativity can happen. She runs hackathons and tech workshops for Fortune 500 companies, builds serious and silly demos 
and talks to developers about what they're making on the Build and Deploy podcast. You can find Liz tweeting about programming and photos of her cat at E-C-M-O-Y. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. Sure. Tell me about your podcast, first of all. Mm -hmm. Build and Deploy? Yeah. Uh, so I mostly use that name because it rhymes with my last name, Liz Moy. <laughs> uh, it might be a slightly misleading because we don't build or deploy apps on my podcast, but that has been a concept we've discussed potentially exploring. Well, you build and deploy the podcasts. Fair enough. It. Yeah. <laughs> we do do that. Yeah. Another thing too that I actually was thinking about. So I'm, I'm here at NDC, uh, giving a talk on WebRTC. Mm. And, um, as I was preparing the talk, I was like, Ooh, I could build like a podcasting platform using WebRTC. <laughs> I mean, that would be reinventing things that already exist. Sure. So, True. Uh, but it could be like a fun thing to, uh, to try. Uh, but yeah, yeah, here at NDC for the week and, uh, enjoying gray london i actually do live here uh so so that's uh it's not too far we did, to the weather here. was great yesterday today it looks more like london it's gray yeah but yeah i started the podcast um during uh in 2020 you know mm -hmm. when i was kind of sitting at home alone with the cat that i tweet photos about <laughs> and um really it came out of i was doing these videos so i run hackathons um and i was doing videos with hackathon participants where i would ask them questions about what they built and you know why they were making what they were making mm -hmm. and um the technical complexities behind it and you know the, the like little intricacies of like what they did that was really special that maybe you know, everybody might not know if they were just looking at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the producer that I worked with was like, you know, it seems like you like talking to people and doing this. Like, why, why don't you all have a podcast? Mm. And I was like, oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, and then come to find out, you know, a podcast is really hard. I don't have to tell you all that because we've yeah. been doing 1800 episodes. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people in the company had sort of tried to do it and just didn't get that far. So it became kind of this like, let me prove everybody that it can be done uh, uh, sort of thing. Uh, but it ended up being really fun along the way. I love that attitude so. that you have. You know, let's just try it. Who cares if it's already been done? Let's do it anyway. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's. That's how you learn, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You, you, I like to tell people, pretend that the problem you're tackling, you're the only one in the world that can fix the problem. Pretend like you're the superhero that yeah, has to figure it out, right? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at our, uh, WebRTC. Well, first of all, we use Zencaster most of the time, mm -hmm. and that uses WebRTC. I mean, basically anything that you can think of in a browser that's using your webcam and, and you know, your talking or whatever video audio it's probably using webrtc it is yeah because that's the standard that um, that we use tell us about it what is when did when did webrtc get really good so uh WebRTC actually was built by like, you know, a sort of a private company and then Google bought it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, um, it sounds like, you know, I, I obviously like wasn't on the team that did this, but it sounds like it was in pretty good shape when Google got a hold of it. And then they just kind of, you know, did their thing and, and made it even, uh, you know, more interoperable and, and yeah. more usable for everybody and then open sourced it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I was watching actually the Google IO demo of when they announced WebRTC. Uh, and it's, it was a fun, it was a really fun demo that they did. But, um, mm. it seems like when they announced it there, quite a lot of the features that we see today were present. So, mm. um, since it's been around, it's been really, uh, really usable. It's been, the APIs are, are really easy to understand what everything's doing. And robust too. Like it rarely bonks. Mm -hmm, exactly. It, yeah, it's never the problem. But all of the big tech companies are using it now, right? I mean, it's one of mm -hmm. those things where this is, I feel like this is really the open source for good kind of mindset. Like mm -hmm. our, yeah. it's becoming a monopoly because everyone is using it. Mm. Exactly. But that everybody has incentive to continue to make it good. Exactly. So it's, it's Apple and Microsoft and Google. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's Mozilla. all the players. Yeah. And I think that makes a huge difference. The same way that Kubernetes ultimately dominated Com, uh, uh, container uh, orchestration because everybody mm -hmm. implemented it. Exactly. So, and so when you were you know, saying that, I think, you know, I'd like to do a podcast thing. I'm like, yeah, I wonder if there's a WebRTC wrapper for Blazor. It <laughs> turns out there is. Huh. Oh, it's, wow. It's the, the github.com slash terricide, T-E-R-R-I-C-I-D-E, slash blazor.webrtc. 
there's a blazer uh, now. Amazing. I'm just found it. I haven't used it. Yeah. Don't blame me if it doesn't work. <laughs> However, uh, it was just updated 24 days ago and there's 10 commits. It's fairly new and it looks pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, uh, at, you know, like I mentioned, I, I run hackathons and uh, we do it all over Zoom. Um, mm. And part of the reason why we made that choice uh, is simply because we had to start doing hackathons virtually mm. <laughs> on, you know, April 15th, 2020. Right. And it mm. was just kind of like we, you know, we pivoted to doing this since that was sort of a platform that a lot of companies that we worked with had. Mm. Uh, and, but, but occasionally I will get a question in a hackathon, like, why don't you all have, you know, your own platform that you've built um, with your video product? <laughs> and I'm always like, it's harder. You know, I mean, it's, it, it is like, Something like WebRTC um, does make things so easy to spin up and mm, right. easy to really kind of build fun features on top of. But mm. it's one of those things where as it scales, you get the same problems that you would have building anything that yeah. scales. So, and so sure. take, yeah, take the solved problem on those parts too. Plus, I think the average user has no tolerance for bad video and audio sync across, uh, across remote connections now because – because you have Zoom and all the other products out there that just made it look trivial, mm -hmm. even though we know perfectly well it isn't. Yeah, it just you know they, their expectations are high. Is WebRTC a centralized? Uh, does it have a server? Is there a server involved, or is it peer to peer? Or Great both? question. Um, so it is. It's so there's like a couple of different ways that it can go. Right. Mm. Um, you can do peer to peer, and mm -hmm. that's great if there's you know only a couple of people that are involved. Mm -hmm. um, as it scales, things start to get really slow. There's a lot of stress on the CPU and the bandwidth, and so then you want to use a selective forwarding unit, um, an SFU. So um, if you go that route, you're sending the media to and from that SFU server. Right. Uh, it's not doing anything to the media. So it's like still it's just a place it's just, to forward it and broadcast it back. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's a great option. Um, there's a couple of other more sort of like complex ways that you can do it. There's like mm. a mesh one and like something called an MCU. Um, if you have your own but, server, can you use that? Like, could I build a gRPC service that uh, yeah. handled the packets and routed them around? If Absolutely. I to? Yeah, you could totally go that route. Um, and a lot of people do decide to do that themselves. Mm. Um, if you're looking at sort of the SFU option, there are some free ones also that exist. Huh. Um, and I actually randomly found this like signal blog post, you know, like the, the app. Mm -hmm. Um, they basically gathered like all of these different free SFUs they had found and uh. like modeled their proprietary SFU after these ones that they found online that were really good that That's like cool. academics and like some other people had made. But, huh. um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting cause like WebRTC sort of like, there's like certain things where it's kind of like, we're not going to do this. You do it however you want. We just mm. need you to do it. Like, right, yeah. um, when it comes to like signaling or like that kind of thing. Um, right. but yeah, so it, so it's nice in that way where it's just like you handle that and you know we'll make it work. I've done some work with the audio side of of uh, WebRTC um, in Blazor actually, and done my own JavaScript. So I know enough that you're responsible for getting once you our, WebRTC gives you the packets, like it gives you the stream of bytes or whatever. Now it's up to you to do something with that, right? Mm -hmm. So so. Um, but yeah, that the SFU thing is really interesting to me. I'm just speaking, thinking out loud. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, it's sort I of the compromise of not going totally cloud centric, mm -hmm. and, but you still want like a proxy that helps direct what mm -hmm. you're going to forward, what you're not. Going I to think forward. I used SignalR. Actually, no, I think I was using just Blazor Server. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. So yeah, it's really interesting to me. I'm gonna look into it some more. All right. So what's, what's the next target? You got to build the, you've got some kind of backend. There are choices. Mm -hmm. I think in mm -hmm. some ways it seems like the cloud is the easiest solution. Yeah. In terms mm -hmm. of total bandwidth consumption and stuff. So the, in the front end, what do you, I mean, I think of WebRTC as the, the library you use in a browser for mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. So then it's just all JavaScript. Then it's all JavaScript. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, like mm -hmm. the, like the demos that I've built or seen or played around with, it's pretty much just pure JavaScript. Mm -hmm. Um, which is great because, mm. it, you know, anybody like in the talk that I give for part of it, I just like open up the source and like change some stuff and then you see it, you know, mm. change on, on the browser. So it's really kind of like fun in that way that sure. it's just, you know, 
very responsive, like very immediate to see the changes. And, um, and you don't have to, there's like so many modern JavaScript frameworks, right? And, yeah. um, and you can use those if you want, but if you just want to like build something with like, Vanilla JS, then you can do that and it'll work. You'll see somebody on your screen. Yeah. So it's not fighting cool. with any of the frameworks. It's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. JavaScript. Yeah, mm. exactly. Okay. And there's three main APIs that you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that handles sort of getting your media devices that are connected. Right. Um, and then actually like once it gets permission that it can access those getting the inputs. Um, and that is the whammy. That's been yeah. for us, yeah. especially with Zencaster. Sometimes the browsers are just like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't give you any options. But we've, Sometimes we've also played with other tools where it was even harder, where yeah. you had to use the browser's configuration to try and assign the right video yep, device. That's right. VMix comes to mind. Yeah. But yeah. anybody who thinks using WebRTC now can surface those controls sufficiently that you have a settings button where you can switch a camera, or switch a microphone. Yeah. And expect it to work. Exactly. Yeah. You can actually assign specific IDs to all of your devices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, it's really funny. One thing that I learned is that, uh, if you want to switch to that device, there's like an, there's an API where you have these different constraints and you can like set, you know, oh, I want this device ID to be chosen. Right. But rather than just like changing the ID, you have to stop the video track and then re-choose that device. Start it with the other device. Exactly. In some way you're effectively writing JavaScript telling the browser to do something different to the system. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're in the sandbox and you're asking essentially to poke out of it in a restricted way. Mm-hmm. And can I take this opportunity to complain about wh- how Windows handles uh webcams? It's just it's always it's aggravating. Aggravating. Uh you you know how when you have an audio device, you can go into the control panel into the sound settings and you can say I don't want applications to be able to take exclusive control of this, which means that only one app at a time can use it. Not so for webcams. You don't have that level of, you know, uh, in, in theory, applications should be able to share the webcam, mm-hmm. but that's practice. not in that's practice. Yeah. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, you get currently things like your webcam is not available. And I'm like, well, why? Yeah. yeah where oh, is I see <laughs> Skype is running in the background. Let me close that. Oh, now that it's works. fine. And I, I can't imagine that you have any visibility into who's controlling a device. Mm. Right. I don't know if this is true. Like if you're, especially if we're talking about the JavaScript client, we haven't gotten up to maybe the .NET client or yeah, something else. So. Mm-hmm. But from the JavaScript perspective, you know what you've enumerated, you're able to enumerate all the devices. You're yeah. enabled, if, yeah, yeah. But you, if you tell the browser, okay, use this device mm-hmm. and it fails. That's it. You just don't get any other messages. Like, mm-hmm. It's not going to tell you Skype's got that device. No. <laughs> you have no way to, to do anything about that. Yeah. You will know that it fails. Yeah. But then you won't but know, you know why. Yeah. yeah. You can serve, you know, just like a generic message that it's failed. But like, I don't, I don't think know. that you I've can I've gotten tell. lots of those generic yeah. messages. Yeah. <laughs> they don't make you happy. No, You're they really. don't help you at all. No. They just cause more frustration, yeah. really. Your browser knows nothing about the OS and the devices that are on the OS, only what it can see. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I could imagine, you know. I've written those user, the, those messages when you're in that frustration. Hey, listen, I got bad news for you. <laughs> Sorry. I know, yeah. I know you, I know you wanted that camera mm-hmm. and I really tried to get it for you. I really tried. <laughs> I really but tried. I did. Something went wrong. And, it, and it's probably that some other app is using it, but I can't tell you which one. It's not you. It's yeah. me. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I tell you what. Go look around for another piece of software that might be using it and kill it. And ask me again. You might be, I'll be here waiting for you. You might consider (laughs) downloading Firefox. (laughs) Oh, which by the way, Firefox, Zencaster doesn't support Firefox, which means WebRTC isn't supported in Firefox. What the heck is going on there? Oh. Well, it's not that WebRTC isn't supported in Firefox because it definitely is. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. That's well, interesting. I wonder if Zencaster has not done the testing. Like they've, Maybe. They've Maybe. looked at the utilization of Firefox and go, I'm not going to spend the dev resources on mm. that. Yeah, that's very possible. Well, get, a, get a triage at some point. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not an iPhone user. And how, how often do you run across a new app that's like iPhone only? Okay. Because they're not spending the money on it. Right. Should we talk about the new IE6 Safari? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I will say, this is kind of a random point, but I think it's really nice is like, um, there are a lot of differences the way that the user experience uh, comes across mm-hmm. in, um, Chrome versus Safari versus Even um, Edge. Firefox. Right. And mm-hmm. like one of the things that I think is really nice about the Firefox implementation of WebRTC is that when you get 
the dialogue box box giving your permission. Mm. Um, it has like a little thing that's like, do you want to mute all of your notifications in the background while you're sharing your screen? That's nice. And I was like, that's super nice. Cause like yeah. who, who among us has not been on a call where we get like a personal message yeah. during a screen <laughs> share? We're like, uh. <laughs> honey, buy some milk on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be way worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> So that's like one little random, I, I, I do think it's nice how some of the browsers, it's like, it's, it seems like they've tried to kind of just leave it. Like mm. this is, this is your playground, you know, do right. whatever you want. We're not getting involved, but there are some little features that sure. they've thrown in that are actually thoughtful. quite nice. Yeah. yeah. Very thoughtful. So that's the first API, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the getting the devices that are going to be used for our devices. Yeah. And, and I have to say, like, it was funny because actually my colleague, uh, Phil Nash, uh, gave this talk and he was meant to give it here and, mm-hmm. and couldn't make it. And I was like, Ooh, I'll give it. And so, uh, you know, very like eager puppy energy there. Uh, and so, you know, I started going through and I was like, I don't understand why he talks about media devices before he talks about peer connection. Mm-hmm. Cause isn't peer connection more important because who cares about if you can get the media if you can't even connect can't to your peer. connection mm-hmm. right but it does actually i think make more sense uh, to talk about it in this order because you need that stream of media to feed into the peer so again you could argue right. well who cares if you have a peer connection if you don't have any media you to don't send have any the devices peer. right so. yeah. Chicken and or it's egg, in the order of operations from the user's perspective, too. Yeah. First, you select sure. your device. Yeah, get your gear ready. Unless you're on Sendcaster. <laughs> it picks the wrong one. No. <laughs> <laughs> But I, and I kind of like the way Zencaster's approach, uh, they, it evaluates the devices and then tells you as the host, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this person's thumbs up, like all the things worked or it hasn't. Yeah. And in my experience, if we have a guest who's having a problem getting Zencaster to work, we were never getting an interview with them anyway. Like they, mm. they exactly. I've gone through all the hoops, tried other software, and it's like there's something not happy on your machine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's usually, not letting. It's share usually media. just that they picked the wrong mic and they don't know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we always ask him, hey, "Which mic are you using?" Well, I'm using my headset. Yeah, tap on that mic. Yeah, no <laughs> sound. It's it. like mm-hmm. okay. guess what? You're not using that mic. Yeah, you're probably using a laptop mic. Like, it, and, right. it, and that's a, one of the things I think is interesting is like. What are the defaults in the context you're in? Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, there's the defaults that in, the operating system has, mm-hmm. which may or may not be available to you. I think when you do that enumeration inside the sandbox of a yeah. browser, you don't know what the defaults are. Right. I think you, and it, I suspect it's up to you to maintain your own list of the defaults. Mm. Yeah, you can specify your list of defaults mm-hmm. that you have. Um, like I, I set mine up so that my road is always is always the one the that, one comes that up. will come up. Yeah. Um, and I would have to choose my internal mic if I wanted to switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree that like uh, it was funny on one of the podcast episodes. Um, so the second season of my podcast was focused on like telehealth, mm-hmm. um, which was another reason why I was interested in this topic because we do see a lot of like telemedicine and telehealth relying on something like WebRTC, sure. um, to have, you know, kind of appointment experiences. Sure. Um, but I was interviewing the CEO of our company and his wife because his wife is a, uh, pediatric, uh, respiratory uh, doctor. And oh so wow. it was kind of like, honestly, the most ideal mm. sort of pairing to talk <laughs> about like medicine and technology and sort of this mm-hmm. like intersection of the two. Yeah. Um, and he was the only, <laughs> the only guest I've had that kind of had initial issues because he had this very custom setup at home with right. like his mic and his camera and everything. So mm-hmm. of course the one guest that I was kind of like the most nervous about, uh, was like using problems. Zencaster was like, yeah, but, but we got it working yeah. and, uh, right. and it all mm-hmm. went okay. So. Got to work your way through it. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do think I appreciate the idea that if you're running good software, you're going to maintain that list. So the next time they come in, mm-hmm. you've got the right defaults. Mm-hmm. What's the intersection of WebRTC and Twilio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a, uh, we have a video product and it is built with WebRTC. Okay. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it is a paid product. It's not something that, unfortunately, it's not sort of like our communications APIs where you can like right. get some credits and start playing with it. So, mm-hmm. um, but there, the team has also built a lot of really, um, like useful tooling around WebRTC that is open source and free for anybody to use. Wow, that's so cool. there's some like diagnostics tools that you can, um, implement in your own applications that test like bitrate and audio input. And, um, I think it's like bitrate. Audio input, audio output, and video input. Nice. So. Yeah. No, Very cool. That's all. And then 
again, it's all the plumbing you're going to have to write anyway. So mm-hmm. you may want to save yourself some time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Use the tools you guys are providing for a fee. Yeah. It's only fair. Yeah. Okay. We've got devices. Now we need a directory. Like, what do we need next? How okay. do we, who are we, who are we talking to? So now, yeah, now comes the peer connection mm-hmm. part of the story. And I have to tell you, I found all of this so confusing. Um, it, it's, it's interesting because I actually think that WebRTC makes it very easy. Like you don't have to understand sort of like network address traversal right. and like stun and turn servers. It will kind of like do a lot of that for you. But if you are interested in learning about those things, <laughs> then buckle up for like a million acronyms because yeah. uh, there are so many and it's very confusing. But essentially like what happens next is like, you can use this API that's um, RTC peer connection and um, you give it an argument um, that's called ICE servers. And so ICE stands for interactive connectivity establishment. Right. And basically it's like this protocol that's trying to figure out like, how can I most easily connect these two peers? Mm. Um, and so, you know, ideally like if you're on the same network, then mm. you can just do peer to peer. No problem. I can give you my, private IP address, my port number, you can give me yours and like, we're good to go. Okay. Um, but obviously that's like a very rare That's case. the happy path. Yeah. That's like the happiest but path. That's yeah. going to work great in dev and nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Run in prod. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And so. Can then, imagine there's firewall issues here, right? There, yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah. cause then, so the next option, if that doesn't work is they go to using a stun server, which is um, session traversal utility for NAT. So mm-hmm. um, basically, so you have um, you have your router, right? And your router has a public IP address. And then you have your machine that has the private IP address and then the port number that you want to connect on. Um, and so what STUN will basically do is it will use that network address traversal to get your public router IP address, then get the private one, and then send back the public one through the STUN server to the peer and say, mm-hmm. You know, here's the public one. You can connect through that. Right. Yeah. And you're basically uh, fooling the NAT to open up the ports mm-hmm. as if you'd initiated everything. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, exactly. Maintain the connection. And guys, hold that thought for just one moment for this very important message. There's always something new from our sponsor, Text Control. They just released version 30 of their document processing library that includes new document collaboration features. Using TX Text Control, you can integrate online document editing, document signing, collaboration, and PDF processing into your ASP.NET and ASP.NET Core web applications. Whether you need to create PDF invoices, quotations, or reports, TX Text Control provides the developer libraries for all document-related tasks. Check out the new features and see their technologies in action by visiting the live demo at demos.textcontrol.com. All right, we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's my friend Richard Campbell. Howdy. And this is our new friend Liz Moy, and we're talking about uh, WebRTC. And we got past the device enumeration, and now we're talking about actually implementing and connecting. So you were just mentioning that you could go direct peer-to-peer. That's the happy path. And now we're getting into the to the weeds. Realities of peer-to-peer isn't going to work for you because you're not sitting beside each other. Because if you were, why are you using WebRTC? What's going on? (laughs) What's going on? Logically, the person you want to talk to is some distance away, which means they're almost certainly behind a NAT of some kind. Like That's kind of usually two. So you were talking about firewalls Mm -hmm. before we took a break. Yeah, so stun actually won't work with the firewall situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the other disappointing thing. So stun is really cost effective. Like you, you know, it's, it's not expensive mm-hmm. really. Um, I think you can find ones that don't cost anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is yeah, if you're behind a firewall or a proxy, you can't use stun. Mm-hmm. Right. So then it will try to use turn, which is, this is the one that I always forget. Uh, my buckle is on. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Bring on the acronyms. It's, um, okay, turn server. So stun session traversal. This is traversal. Using relays around Using relays around that. Yeah, there we go. It's traversal using relays around that. Um, yeah, so the, for the turn server, um, basically you have to go, we have to do everything through the turn server. You send all of your information, um, with your IP address and your, um, 
and your port number mm-hmm. to the turn server, and then they send it to the other per- the other peer um, that is behind the firewall or uh, the proxy. And really, this is because like anytime there's a firewall involved, um, or you're on like you know a big corporate network, they're like, there's no way that we're going to connect to a public IP address right. externally. Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what bad guys do. So turn <laughs> sounds like a threat vector. Yeah. Is yeah. that has it been attacked before? I actually don't know. That's a great mm. question. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like basically you're sending a message saying, Hey, open this port. Mm. Cause I want to, I have a client who wants to connect and they say, okay. And they open the port and now you're connecting. Yeah, I think that's more stun is actually like that. Like mm-hmm. that is a way of saying, Hey, tell your NAT router to open this port. Mm-hmm. And what he's re- really doing is just saying to NAT router, Hey, I'm communicating out this port. Mm-hmm. And now that port is open, expecting traffic to come back, mm-hmm. which we now know traffic is going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's just making clear NAT is not firewall. No, no, right? NAT is just doing IP translation right. so that you can have multiple IPs behind a single public IP. Right. Uh, where a firewall would say you can't open that port. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you ask. Yeah. It's like that. It, you know, I have rules of what ports are open and when what aren't. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of. Uh, Mama Franklin, who sends me a link to a, a website, and it's one twenty seven zero zero one. Whatever. She wanted you to come home anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did I steal your punchline? I'm no, sorry. no, it's pretty, pretty much spot on. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Yep. Easy to do. Okay. So the turn approach is basically proxying all the traffic through a common port. Yeah, so, yeah, through that turn server. Yeah, so you're really talking to the turn server probably on port 80 because it's the only one you know you're going to get across. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you're packaging up the different kinds of data, your video and audio and information mm-hmm. through it to to yeah. make the call work. Yeah, which is disappointing because it's like then you have to handle all of that. Like you have to pay money for that to be a thing, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, like you have to password protect it and... um it just becomes like a more involved process of mm-hmm. setting it up than it would um, with peer to peer or mm-hmm. stun. Um, but usually like any sort of signaling that you're going to set up for WebRTC, you need to have all three. You're always probably going to have a stun and a turn right. um, because you need that as the fallback because you more than likely are going to be connecting to somebody that's behind some sort of firewall. Yeah, something more restrictive. Mm-hmm. And and you only it's not like you can actually interrogate and say, are you behind a firewall? You just have to try. You just stun. try. And it's kind of cool because like ICE actually does all of this in parallel. Right. Um, so it's going to try every way and just find the easiest path. Um, yeah. So when you send through that like ICE server's argument into our TCP or connection, that kicks off that process. Right. And it's going, and so the, and the hierarchy is peer, stun, turn. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it, is there really other performance differences? No, I don't think there's performance. No. I mean, no, no, not not for not for this part of the process. Sure. Yeah, I think the performance comes in more with the um, actual connection. Like if you're going through the SFU or right. you're doing peer to peer, that kind of thing. So, are we ready to move to the next stage then? I think like, we're ready. Yeah. Well, so then once um, once that's successful, once the connection's successful, mm-hmm. um, you get what's called like the candidate, and the candidate is actually your IP address and port number. Okay. And then you can go ahead and Make like send connection. through and say like, hey, I'm ready to connect. All right. And if you get a positive response, then everything has been happy. Yeah, and you make the offer to them and then if they, to the peer, and then if the peer looks at the offer and says like, yeah, this is all good to go, then they answer back um, right. with that and then you can connect. Mm. Now, and then I think it's just a command then to make a, to actually turn on the call part now or you, you're good. You have all the, you have all the handshakes done. So yeah, you have all the handshakes done. And so yeah, then you're ready to start, um, sending through the media. So at that point too, usually you, after that happens, you just add your stream to the peer connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you just sort of have this like general like stream object that will have like your audio, your video and your mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. and you just send it through the stream. What about screen sharing? Yeah, screen sharing. So screen sharing is um, a similar API. It's not the same as get user media. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called get user display. Mm -hmm. And so there is like a separate dialogue that will open up when you run that API that Mm -hmm. asks if, uh, you know, the browser can can share the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And and actually, like, it's pretty much like recording the screen. Um, And uh, actually, I have a funny story about this. Uh, because I upgraded my OS, uh, a couple of months ago 
I have a Mac and they, I don't, I actually don't know what it is that they changed exactly, but they cut off like all of the, like any, any like app that you had shared permissions to your screen for, mm-hmm. it like reset it entirely. Yeah, welcome Whoa. to operating system upgrades. Yeah. And so <laughs> like, which in a way I was like, oh, this is good. Cause if there was something I had randomly shared my screen for and yeah. I like no longer wanted it, at least it's like gone now. Yeah. Um, but I was like trying to give a live demo and, uh, it was on MS Teams which I rarely use okay. and um, and I could not figure out how to share my screen which is like you know the most embarrassing thing like oh I know about technology but I can't share my screen um, at so least you weren't was... a cat <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, not a cat your honor I'm not uh, yeah it was uh, it was yeah a humbling moment yeah. for sure there must but... have been some expletives uttered <laughs> I yeah, imagine like because I had practiced it you know so much and like all these other ways but like the one thing i hadn't like anticipated was that they would ask me to use ms teams right uh but now i know how to handle that in uh you know mac os but um i don't don't like teams just so you know yeah not a fan i i use it when i have to i i don't think they're using WebRTC. no no i think i'm pretty sure they're still using the skype engine under the hood makes sense yeah it's actually the skype dlls for better or worse Com. I wish there's a, I hope there's pressure on them to move to WebRTC. Yeah. Or, or I wonder if they're using WebRTC for the web client of Teams. Because the number of times I've had the answer of stop using Teams, don't use Teams for that, use the web client for Teams mm. as a workaround, this sort of says, wow, where are we? Like, it's why is that very right? clear? Our com is here to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly hearing the same thing for Outlook these days. Like, don't use the, the on the local out instances of Outlook, just use the web access. <laughs> That stuff seems to work more reliably, which is crazy. crazy. I, like, know. I don't know. How we got it's like here. not what you want to hear about your native app, right? No. Like, remember the native apps was the superior experience by default? What happened? Anyway, sorry, slight digression. Yeah, but for <laughs> yeah, so for screen sharing, um, yeah, you just have to get permission again. It's another one of those things where mm-hmm. you do have to ask for permission um to access the screen. And then of course we know, you know, if someone denies it, you need to show some sort of error that's yeah, react yeah. to it. Mm. And is it is it a different kind of video signal then? Just the screen share? No, it's the same. Okay. Yeah, it's just another. Um, it's just another video track another that source. sort of gets added. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. on, on, I've definitely seen on some apps there's an optimization for the a way a face looks uh, being streamed out versus the way uh, a way a screen share looks. Right. So, um, for any of the video streams that come in, there are these media constraints that okay. you can use. And so, um, that's kind of where you can do some of these like specialty sort of customization. So you can change like the frame rate or the resolution, mm-hmm. um, in there. And that's what a lot of, um, a lot of applications will change the media constraints for resolution to right. try and get like sort of the optimal resolution. You can get away with 15 frames per second if you're sharing your screen, but maybe not when you're, yeah, faces mm-hmm. but also the, like the, the whole thing with a face. Uh, codex that we used to have to deal with versus screen codex. I think H.264 basically just made that problem works go everywhere. Yeah. Just, yeah. We're now at a codec that works for everything. Yeah, it works for everything. Here's another weird one. Again, again maybe side of a side trip. You know, we, we, we've been starting to do music inserts while we're pl- recording because I have a pad mm, to mm-hmm. do that. Team suppresses music. How? I don't know, but there's literally an option in Teams to say allow music, but then it messes up voices. Wait a minute. Like they're clearly messing with the audio codec in some oh, way. Weird. They're not just like disabling system sounds or something. No, because other sounds will come through just fine, but it's like they recognize music and suppress it as if it's like a noise suppression solution. That's really interesting. Yeah. What if you sing? I mean... <laughs> Well, that's still noise when it's coming from me. It's not <laughs> you. You could sing just yeah, fine. Yeah, but I mean, it, uh, the, oh, I would, my mouth would be moving, but it would be no sound coming no out. No sound yeah. coming out. No, it's like, you, you know, you, no that's mouth, what we call a, a pop filter. <laughs> <laughs> it pops, filters out the pop music. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's, I think software's trying so hard to make stuff sound good. You have these strange side effects, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and teams clearly go down its own path. But and I only bring it up because you know the same way you're talking about optimizing the video source, 
it's potential to optimize the audio source too. Like, because spoken well, yeah, I mean, words have- are a very particular kind of set of sound. Mm-hmm. In the end, it's just a stream of bytes. If yeah. you know what to do with the stream of bytes, you can put a plug-in in there or make your own, I suppose, make your own you filters. You could be a cat. So <laughs> there is a different API. It's not part of WebRTC, but oh. it's called Web Audio. Mm-hmm. And um, using that API allows you to do a lot of kind of the things that you all are talking about, where you mm. can um, take that uh, uh, audio track that's coming in and kind of like do some different things with it. So um, like one of the things that that Phil uh, made a demo for that I show in my talk is um, this uh, feature where uh, if you have uh, if you've disabled the audio track, you've said, you know, I'm on mute. Mm-hmm. I don't want to send this through anymore. Mm-hmm. But your device is still detecting that sound is coming in through the web audio API. It will show up a thing that says, hey, it sounds like you're trying to talk, but you're on mute. Right. Across the screen. Which is a great, mm-hmm. really useful that. message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great yeah. message. It is a great message. Yeah. It's rather than waiting for everybody else and to say you're on mute. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Easy yeah. to ignore if you, if you know, you know. <laughs> But um, also, you know, val- a valid point. I mean, usually I mute for a reason. I'm about to make noises I don't want to transmit. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> thanks for telling me I'm muted because that's what you know, I wanted. A, a burp and fart filter would be more useful than a music filter, <laughs> I think. You could get different the levels, right? Yeah. Like detect, like, hmm, is that actually words or flashlights? <laughs> 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 Do I really want that to come across? I mean, or if it just munges it, you know, like lower the pitch and add some reverbs. So it's like... <laughs> So there's a ton of demos online with the web audio API that do exactly that. Really? Where, where it will like Pitch alter. Changing. Yeah. Make, make yeah, it sound like, like a movie trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing around with those a bit when I was looking at it and it's really fun. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we certainly see that same sort of thing for cameras, right? What was it called? Snapcam? Oh, Snapchat. Yeah. Or is not, well, Snapchat is the social media app, but, yeah, Snap, but it's the one that they had the filters. Put, you know, you could put, Hell's ears on and hats, but they made a version called Snapcam that would you you install it just to create a new new camera on your device, (laughs) and then you could pass filters through to anything. Yeah, yeah. So, yep, done those. Yeah, I did those too. That's that we did all this dumb stuff we did during the pandemic. That's right, because there was nothing else to do. Stupid pandemic. If I got to be on another another stream chat for whatever reason, I'm going to be a vampire. Yeah, I'm going to look like Santa's elves. You have to keep things interesting. We've done like a thing where I've done ones before that were kind of fun where it's like make your background like a Mm. place that you've been before that you loved visiting or stuff like that, which is kind of nice. But yeah, I also think it went in waves. There was like a period, I think towards the end of 2020 where everybody was doing the dumb filter thing. Yes. And then after a while we're like, okay, all tired of that. Turn it off. (laughs) Like not going to do it anymore. But yeah, uh, I, I try to imagine. How this is going? How the pandemic period is going to be talked about in history, and what it did to technology? Like we all geared up, <laughs> mm-hmm. we all did some strange Those stuff. Few mm-hmm. years where the world lost its mind, <laughs> more mm-hmm. so than other times, I guess. <laughs> like there's a lot of mind losing periods. Yeah. Okay, have we gone through the gamut now? Is there any particular process to tearing down a call when it's done? You just close the browser, or forget about you it. You just close the browser, yeah, yeah, and it's all, it's all. Demolished. It's yeah. gone. What about remote control? Like being able to mute the other side. Like when I'm doing mm. a, when I'm hosting a chat with a bunch of people, the fact that I have a button, some of these apps have a button. It's like mute everybody mm. just so mm. you don't have to wait for folks to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if there's, if that's part of the spec in any way or if you just have to write that yourself. That's a great question. Well, um, if you can mute yourself, the rest of it can be done at the application level, right? Theoretically, you could send a signal or whatever that says, you know, tell the user to mute or whatever, and it mutes them. Mm -hmm. If there's an API to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think because you do have access to that answer that came over, like, I think that you would be able to, but I have not done it myself. Send a message to say, I want a particular configuration. But you can mute your own. There's an API to mute your own microphone, right? Yeah, to do and that, you just stop camera. the, you just, yeah, you just stop the audio track. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then it could be done with some. So it's in, mm-hmm. everybody's magic. running WebRTC. The question is, can you pass the message? And can you pass the message through the channel you currently have, or do you need to set up another one like a signal arms? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much work Always is it possible? Yeah. Possible is one thing. Easy is another. Mm. Right. Like if it works in the existing channel, that's easy. If I have to build a separate channel, that's more complicated. 
That's a good feature, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you think about, when you think about these, uh, web-based video audio apps mm-hmm. that, what you like about them, it's those kinds of things. How about, how about native code? Like, um, how about, uh, you know, Xamarin Forms or Maui applications or something like that? Can we, can we build an iOS app that uses the web RTC without using, do we have to use a web browser view? Or can we just there do that is um, an Android and an iOS. Um, there are libraries for those, mm-hmm. so nice. yeah, so you can definitely do that. Interesting. Yeah. And certainly with Maui, if you're using Blazor to develop a Maui app, you're in the web anyway, so mm-hmm. you can do that. Yeah, I think actually even for like Android devices, that's probably preferred because mm. WebRTC is not available on the Android browser on the browser that comes on Android phones. Ah. So, but it uh, is on Chrome. But it is on Chrome, yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and this always gets back to this whole, do I want voice chat integrated in my app? Or do I want yeah. it as a service on my device that I can have running while mm-hmm. I'm using my app? Mm-hmm. Like, should it be a central resource or should it be a part of everything? Right. And I, I don't know the answer to that because, you know. I guess it depends on the app. I mean, if you're thinking about a phone app. You don't really want like a, your screen filled up with thumbnails of everybody's mug, mugs, you know? Yeah. But if you're on an iPad application and you're just talking to one person, like call this person in tech support, you know, mm-hmm. um, that might be okay. Or one person at a time on an iPhone app or phone app. Yeah. I, I just, I hear some folks talking about every app should have collaboration. Mm. And I think a lot of folks then go, well, that means I want, you know, video and audio and stuff. Mm. Or I think, when I think about collaboration, I think the fact that you and I working simultaneously on a Google Doc. Sure. Right. But we have another audio channel going. Because we're already we talking help. elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what does collaboration mean to you? Yeah. So there actually is another API. There's one more mm-hmm. um, that's for data. Oh. Um, so it's a, it's a data connection, and you can send back arbitrary data, like anything well, that you want. Answer, it's just a Richard. web socket. There's your basically. answer for the big mute, then. Like, <laughs> use the data channel yeah. to say mute everybody. Yeah, exactly. So, um, But also for file transfer. Yeah, file transfer. You can do, like, whiteboarding. Like, people have built whiteboarding apps. You can do, like, um, sort of a... Like, you know, those like live share, like code live share, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you could set up something like that with it. So take the keystrokes from the other keyboard and show it up on mm-hmm. the and put mm-hmm. them into the, yeah, that's cool. So that one's kind of cool. Cause like it really is like endless, like you could do anything with it. That's the collaboration. It, that's the collaboration piece. It's yeah. kind of like signal R with video and audio. If you think about it. Yeah. You can have it that, that other way. I mean, I think they started with video and audio and adding the data transfer as well, but I think I'm good either way. So, uh, so what haven't we talked about or is that just about it? Yeah, I think that, um, it's really, I think the, the, the selling point of WebRTC is actually like everything that you can do for the user experience, like mm-hmm. on your end, you know, like yeah. there's, because it does so much of the plumbing and everything yeah. for it's you. It's all a bunch of solved problems so that yeah. you can make a great experience. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I think there's like so much opportunity for creativity that just like poking around at some of these like demos and stuff people mm-hmm. have built. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, like maybe like, wouldn't it be funny if you like sent somebody a link to talk and then it had all these like random audio <laughs> effects where you could just like change your voice and stuff. Right. Like, I think you could get like, do some really wacky, like fun stuff with it. And and then also very functional, you know, sure. things as well. So I, I, I think of line of business apps that people use routinely and how you provide better tech support for it. Mm. Yeah. The idea that we could do like a web RTC integration and then just show that I can, I as the support person, just see the form you're filling in mm-hmm. and perhaps can even correct it for you. Like it's a great, yeah, those great pretty deep level integration. Those are the tech support experiences that I really appreciate. Most of the time it's a bot that's pretending to be a real person. Yeah. And or you're going over to a log VN or one of those other ways. Yeah. So the idea that your app is important enough that, that the support is integrated directly into Like it. somebody buying an airline ticket, are they really going to devote a person to that tech support thing when they're having a problem? Yeah, not at the, it's that this is B2B. Like, yeah, these are employees within the company of an app that's important. To yeah. Who yeah, provides employment as opposed to the B2, the consumer aspect where, yeah, it just doesn't work at scale, but at a certain scale would, we're thinking about an application support enough that we know the dollar per minute income of it mm. and the amount of time they need to wait for support or fight for support costs us money. Mm-hmm. This to me seems like the ultimate manifestation of how I make that downtime short as possible mm-hmm. that for mm. that my support person can be in the space with the, with the app without having to go there helping someone immediately and mm. moving forward. It's not for every app, but 
I can certainly think of classes that where that would make a huge difference. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? What's in your inbox? What is next for me? I'm going on holiday, which obviously nice. I, you oh. can tell that I need one because my brain is like totally fried. <laughs> um, no, I have a, yeah. So my, like mostly what I do day to day is I run hackathons for uh, different companies that we work with at Twilio. So mm-hmm. um, I have a couple of fun ones that are coming up. Uh, and there's one actually with a travel company that I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of, as we're talking, I'm thinking through like, oh, that would actually be really good for like a travel agent to be able to see like, yeah. you know, I don't know something real time in like a video chat with one of their uh mm. one of their customers so an, an, an agenda right that the person's mm-hmm. working on that they can immediately contribute to it's like hey let me give you these options boop, 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 yeah right? so that you yeah. come away from the end of the call having not had to make a bunch of notes right but it, they're the notes for you they're already laid out and you know mm-hmm. you can really take it oh you know i thought of another feature that i'm not sure if WebRTC supports which is we talked about screen sharing but what about screen control can I take Ooh. control of your desktop with your mouse, with my mouse and keyboard? Hmm. Would I have to build that into my app using the data stream? I think you would have to build that into your app using the data stream. Yeah. 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 I don't think that's like a constraint that it offers, but I could be wrong. So interesting. Yeah. Fun stuff. Well, Excellent. Liz, thank you very much. It's been enlightening. Oh, awesome. It's been so nice uh, chatting with you all. And I feel like I'm walking away with a lot of great ideas as well. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, thanks again, and thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a bands by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a